0: Hello and welcome to This Property Life. My name is Mark Winship. I'm a property investor and mentor, and this week I'm teaming up with Caroline Claydon and James D'Souza to tackle the big one. We're going to turn our hands to debunking one of the biggest myths in property investment, the concept of passive income. What is passive income? How can we achieve it? But first and foremost, does it even exist? Without any further ado, let's just get straight into it. Hi Caroline, hi James. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Hi Mark, very good. Thank you. Good, good, good. Good to see you both. Um, thanks for joining me. We're going to be we're going to be myth busting again today, and in fact, I, I would argue we are busting the biggest myth of all, and that is the big the big P word, not not property, passive income. Um, so we're going to be talking all things passive income, um, but. Let, let, let's just get straight to the point. Does passive income exist?
1: I think it does. Yeah. I would say it does. I think, I think yeah. there are certain things that will always give you passive income. Um, yeah. But it, the, the big tell by the tell by is, the pause, man. man that it's, not, it's not a simple question, is it? It's yeah. Not... <laughs> you stick your money in the bank account at, you know, five percent 0. 0. 0. That's passive. The, the bank will pay you interest for doing nothing. Yeah. Um, but... But your return is related to the, the passiveness, I guess, of that, um, of, yeah. of, of what you're actually doing and how you're trying to earn that money. Yeah. I think
2: when, when anyone asks a question that's property related, the, the standard response is always, it depends. Yeah. <laughs> and I think with passive income, it depends yeah. on the strategy, because mm. I would, you know, list the strategies under the property umbrella buy-to-let, social housing, service accommodation, HMOs. Now, there are four massive um, strategies that have varying degrees of yeah. passive income to it. So social housing, for example, I would definitely categorise as passive income. Um, you still have to when, do the work
1: to set it up in the first place, though. Well,
2: this is it. You yeah. have to do the work at the beginning to then mm. enjoy the past passive nature of of that yeah. recurring income isn't it, it is recurring um, that's the so, thing. That,
0: that, that's the thing right there though is it is it is this actually about is the terminology the issue in the sense that well not the terminology but people have like misinterpreted it or just like taken the headline without understanding what it really means because you've got the whole warren buffett quote haven't you about if you don't find a way to make money when you're when you're sleeping then you'll work till you die Or and so people are just taking the headline and this whole like laptop lifestyle, you know, passive income. And I think people, when they hear passive income, are actually hearing no work. So you used the word recurring income there, Caroline, and that's possibly a more accurate description of it, isn't it, I would say.
2: I think, well, whenever I'm training students at the very, very beginning, I'm always talking about work at the beginning, in order to then take your foot off the gas yeah. um, later on. And the money will continually come in, but there will be little touch points that you'll need to put in. I think the, the most common mistake that I'm sure we are all aware that we've seen is people hear passive income and they hear this is gonna be easy and I don't yeah. need to do anything for it. Um, yeah. So it's actually you know, a bit of a, a mindset because if you think about it, creating a portfolio that allows you to leave your job and have recurring income from it in a, let's say a two year period, that is a lot more attractive than working in your job for like 40 odd years. Um, It's just that maybe people don't understand the effort that needs to go in to fast track that two, three year period to then take the foot off the gas and and enjoy life. Um, And I guess, at what point do you stop as well? Because we're, we're sitting here, in fact, before we even went live, talking about <laughs> deals that we're working on right now. Yeah. And arguably, we're already financially secure through our passive yeah. income, but we're still doing it. Why? Yeah. <laughs> because if you know
1: it works and <laughs> you know how to do it, why? Yeah.
2: Why would yeah. you stop? I know. Um, While well, the opportunity that, that, is
1: still there as well. Who knows, you know, if at what point? this system might not work and and you know if rules change governments change and 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 it all you know falls or something falls down then you kind of go oh, I wish I I wish I'd taken those opportunities while I could have done earlier
2: yeah, yeah. diversification yeah. as well isn't it mm-hmm. it's all about um you know keeping yourself safe and and I think if you just stand still you'd get bored I, for me it's a, a bit of a push myself interest in new things for that passive income but the big one is service accommodation mark talk yeah. us through passive income and service accommodation
0: well, that's there's a spectrum isn't there of uh of, of, of passive to completely non-passive and so our our main strategy is kind of service accommodation and hotels and i guess in that spectrum that's as that's a non-passive or as active, if you like, uh, an income stream as you can get. Um, but it's a bit like what you said. It's you know, and I was I interviewed um, Rick Blaney yesterday on, on the podcast. He talks about the thrill of the chase um, and wanting to be involved in a business, and I can relate to all of that. And and that's you know, you just have to go into it with your eyes open, and you understand that actually, yes, you know, with certain strategies, the returns can be higher. But often the work that you've got to put into achieving that is is relative, isn't it? So with serviced accommodation, it's a much more hands-on strategy because you are dealing with a lot of moving parts. You know, it's, a, it's really hands-on in terms of it's essentially a hospitality business in a sense. Um, so from that perspective, there are lots of ways you can automate things. There are lots of ways you can systemize things. You can grow to the point where you can outsource and leverage other people's time and, uh, and we'll probably get onto that because you can do that uh, to a degree with any property strategy to free yeah. you up to work on the business rather than in the business um, but yeah it's it, that's um, yeah that is not not something to be underestimated if you're looking to get into something like service accommodation it is certainly when you're starting out it is very much a, a hands-on strategy but it depends what your goals are doesn't it and that yeah. changes over time because it's like you joked about you know when do you stop or when do you get out of it but I, I know plenty of people who have scaled and as a result have achieved their various income targets or lifestyle targets and now are coming full circle yeah. back round to your little baby buy to let again. Yep. Because actually, you know, that is a lot more of a hands off strategy and that will just sort of build the asset base in the background and yep. and won't require too much stress and, and everything else.
2: Well, we've got students who are doing service accommodation that is very passive in the sense that they've just handed the property over to Yeah, absolutely you get it
0: managed. Yeah. yeah.
2: Or an insurance yeah. company is just going to use it as short-term lets. Now, yeah. again, service accommodation, we instantly think hospitality, people coming for fun. But actually, yeah. people need short-term accommodation for the fact that their house is flooded or whatever. So insurance yeah. companies need to put them up. So that that could be... terms as passive income within serviced accommodation as we would call it
0: and there are like there are with buy to lets and hmos there are managing agents so there are people who will manage your property as as serviced accommodation you're going to pay a premium for that you're going to pay slightly more but it's you know and and that's interesting with all strategies isn't it because people will sometimes look at things like management say i don't want to pay that 10% Ten percent plus VAT or whatever. I'll I'll look after it myself. It's only down the road and all that side of things. And actually, it's 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 understanding what your goals are. And if you truly want to work towards a recurring income stream that that doesn't require you to be exchanging your time for money, then you need to think really seriously about leverage and getting things managed and that side of it. I assume all your stuff's managed, isn't it, Caroline? You're yeah. not.
2: You're of, not running
0: around doing that stuff yourself.
2: No. no. And I've even got um, an assistant who manages the managers. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually put another layer in place because I actually don't yeah. want to be dealing with the emails saying this boiler needs a repair and blah, blah, blah. blah. And, I, and I think once you get to a certain size as well, you you lose track. Like I'm, I hold my hands up and say, look, I'm terrible at admin. And I see it as a low value task that I don't want to be spending my time doing. Uh, and therefore I've ignored it for years. So when an, a letting agent would email me about maintenance or a boiler needing replaced, whatever, I had lost track of, well, when the last time was that replaced? Like I don't even, so the wheel, I could see the wheels all sort of unravel, all unraveling wheels coming off. So I thought I need someone in to manage the managers now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah. that is money very, very well spent because it just yeah. keeps things nice and tight so that you can focus your time on, building or scaling Mm. or doing the fun stuff if you're if you're taking the foot off the gas
1: it just goes to show that you don't have to be good at absolutely everything in order to be a success of this
2: yeah no yeah and and you can recognize your weaknesses i think that's important and there's a lot of ego out there in this business um and yeah like just recognize what you're what you're not good at Mm. Mm.
0: Mm. so the reason we, we 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 did all get onto into this though was certainly initially was income related wasn't it so it is about it is about producing that recurring income stream that that's you know this isn't necessarily certainly not from the outset about capital growth or or anything you know you might have a flip strategy that runs alongside but it's very much about a recurring income stream isn't it so that's that's the goal
1: it's recurring rather than passive is a far better way because it it is a monthly income It, it comes in without you having to you know put in the same level of work on month three as you did in month one to actually get it started and to get it up and running so it does keep coming in but there are bits along the way that you still have to do
2: yeah Yeah. i think terminology is changing because we used to say financial freedom a lot right Mm. now we're using financial security Mm. and i do think security is actually far more accurate than the freedom element Because freedom conjures up this, you know, driving in an open-top car, like, out with your hair in the wind. And, like, that's you. You're free, free, Chilling chilling
1: on a beach in a hammock for life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Whereas... You still need
1: Wi-Fi to make sure that your letting agent's not getting in touch saying, when was the last time you changed the boiler?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Um, So financial security, I think, is a better terminology. And then, yeah, recurring income as opposed to passive income um is is probably more accurate yeah.
0: because not like, not yeah. everyone gets into this to immediately jack in the day job right you know I, I we wouldn't necessarily even recommend that but but also for a lot of people you know that that isn't the, the 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 main goal they might love what they're doing they might be passionate about what they're doing they might be doing this to to create a pension for themselves to create a legacy for the family all these sorts of things so but that's where you know we have to be really mindful of um things like you know leveraging and getting things managed and stuff like that so you've got this this can run itself as much as as much as it possibly can yeah yeah yep
2: yeah, yep yeah, absolutely and i think that what my, in my experience from going from vital to x to social housing to hmos to service to accommodation and hotels i have seen the the change in how much input you need and certainly once you get to the hotel stage you've got the hotel manager there but there's a, a lot more interaction with them than you would have needed with let's say your letting agent in a in a buy let yeah um, but it's it's just about managing your time and what's important what are the tasks that really are going to to help you reach your goals yeah.
0: so so is the issue then like if if you sat 50 property investors, you'd be doing it for a while in a room, there isn't a single one that's going to be sat there saying, yeah, actually, this is totally passive for me. You know, we, we, we all understand the work that's involved. Is the issue people coming into property investment with a, with a misconception of passive income and how easy that is going to be to achieve and the work, the front loaded work involved to get to that point, maybe?
1: I'm going to say it depends again, though, because if you've got so your room of fifty investors, if you've got some that have got one property and they've got a long-term tenant in there who's really good and doesn't and and is you know is straightforward, and they see it as a capital a capital gain plan yeah. um, to them, it probably is relatively passive. Yeah. But well, and I think obviously, the more the more you grow, the the more issues are, are going to crop up, and at that point, um, you know, you're going to be referred to more, and you're going to need to be having having an input on the the ongoing running of that portfolio yeah
2: and if you're in commercial property Mm. that's pretty much as passive as it can get once you've got a fully insured repairs lease and you've got your tenants in there pretty much paying for everything um and it's it's for five years 10 years or whatever um that is pretty attractive and there's plenty of people out there that 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 do that um as well as if you buy freeholds just for the ground rent. yeah yeah Set the systems up. So there will be people who definitely argue um, yeah. that it is passive. And yeah. I guess what you do with the income, then mm. <laughs> you could put that income that's coming in and actually invest that somewhere else that generates more recurring yeah. yeah. income, which yeah. could be passive too.
1: I guess the rule of thumb would be the less work that you have to do, the less return you're probably going to be getting. Mm. Yeah.
2: Mm is that true
1: do, do you mean know. in the do you mean in the setup in the setup it's just in 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 general i think the the more the more passive something's going to be the probably the the less it's gonna, like ground, uh, ground rents for example you're not getting too much in terms of ground rent for the investment you're putting in if you were to work out your return on investment there i think that would probably be far lower than a buy to let up north but mm-hmm. a buy to let up north is probably going to cause you a bit more you know headache is going to be more more workload on your on your hands to be dealing with equally then a hmo is even more workload and more scope for things to for your time to be required but you're getting an even bigger return on investment hmm. I
2: don't you know. could make some pretty tasty returns like out
0: of commercial though couldn't you if you had a commercial yeah. unit and 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 just set that up and running and yeah. that potentially is is pretty passive isn't it i, I think i just feel like the I guess the reason for the episode in a way is to challenge this term of passive income so that people don't come into this process with a misconception that that means it's going to be easy. And that means that there isn't work required to, to create the passive income or to create the recurring income in the first place. Cause I certainly, I have those conversations with people new, you know, students that we work with who actually, once they, understand the sort of amount of due diligence they need to do to research their area and their strategy and everything else, they're a little bit sort of taken aback. Like, well, I thought, I thought this was going to be easy. I thought you'd just show me how to buy a house and, and, and then I just take the rent and, you know, I didn't realize I was going to have to, you know, travel up to, you know, three or four hours up to my investment area every other weekend. And I was going to have to be filling slots around my, my family commitments with this, that, and the other. So that's where I think, the perception is potentially dangerous yeah. because people don't understand what it, what that means to get there basically.
2: Well, the, the expectation is just maybe not not where it should be. And of course, like books like Rich Dad Poor Dad probably don't help us in that, you know, while he had a tough journey with his businesses failing and being skinned, you know, he's talking about getting up in the morning and having a meeting with a with a bank to just talk about financing buying a block of flats. And, you know, while he, he he does talk about his journey in those books, you know, it is, I guess, glossed over in some respects. So it's he maybe talks more from, think, the
1: desti- from the destination rather than the journey. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think people, ca- you know, we talk about start with the end in mind. So they think about destination and all the little ABCs, DZs, and hips and all that. You can't live
1: in the destination when you're on your journey. <laughs>
0: yeah, definitely. And it's, the temptation is, isn't it, to always, you know, you, you, you might start with uh, something that's a little bit easier to cut your teeth on it and, and and is relatively hands-off once it's up and running, but the temptation is always to think that maybe the grass is greener and that this strategy, because it yields more, and I ha- Caroline, you always talk about HMOs are worth five buy-to-lets and a hotel is worth five HMOs or whatever it might be, which is the sort of the outcome, but mm. it's also when you're planning your strategy, you've got to think about well, what what am I doing this for? Because inevitably moving up the scale like that is going to involve, you know, more stress, more complexity, et cetera, et cetera, to get that to get to that point. And yeah. and you may look at that. So we we looked at um we looked at a, a hotel recently that you know was um in, in principle is like a life's dream project kind of thing but we went through exactly this process the day after having viewed the property we sat down again, we revisited our goals we revisited our vision board we looked at what our targets were and we discounted it because although yes at some point that may well be something that we would love to do it wasn't right for what we wanted right now because you know it would have tied up our time Capital headspace for probably three years before we start to see any return from it, and so it's it's just being clear on your goals, essentially, isn't it, and what why you're doing this in the first place.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really valid point about walking away from things. Yeah. Uh, Because James, you'll have seen it when we train people; they're like kiddies in a sweetie shop. Whenever they see a for sale sign, it's like, oh, yeah,
1: any any house with a sale sign is a deal immediately. That's that's kind of what people assume.
2: And it's not, and you have to be really disciplined in what you're going to go for. Um, And that's the knowledge
1: to be able to assess what works, what's not going to work.
2: That wealth uh, triangle that we have with the the baby buy-to-lets on the bottom, working its way up to... Now, in fairness, we put commercial and developments and conversions up right up at the top um, because we say, uh, uh, as you move up there, you do need more capital, more experience. It's going to take longer for you to realise the the profits and it's going to take long uh and and what was what, where i've lost my risk and the, yeah the risk the cock-up ability that's the word <laughs> goes up the further up the triangle bigger cock-up ability so if you if you don't have any kind of solid foundation in your business in terms of recurring income already and you try and go for the big stuff then if that goes wrong there is no wiggle room whatsoever but if you've got a portfolio that's a solid foundation, you've got wiggle room if things, you know, overrun or you can afford to pay a a bridge
1: for a bigger deal or, or things like that.
0: Is yeah. that is that um just complete interlude is that is that a scottish thing the ability to just completely make up phrases i love i love that a, a few years ago i spent some time with uh, judy murray in a, in a in a different life and she exactly. talked about she talked about bounce bounce back ability which you yeah, know everyone that over that, home that, way, that. Way, like, bounce back ability you love that i've yeah. not heard cock up ability i, that's, that's I just knew that.
2: well i took i took <laughs> bounce back ability from football and i turned it into a A a business technology. I'll put it in the book. I'll put it in my book. (laughs) The book I've been writing for three years is still not quite there yet.
0: (laughs) Excellent. Good. Well, um, yeah, I think so. So what do we what what do we want people to come away with from from this episode? So and, and I guess actually we've talked a lot recently in the podcast where we have been challenging various myths and that sort of, we talked a lot about surrounding yourself with the right people about being part of a community so that you do, you understand the ins and outs and, um, and what we've tried to do on this podcast is give it to you warts and all as it yeah. were. We're not in any way painting the picture that this is just totally easy and you can just sit back and just watch the money coming in and not, not lift a finger. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's uh it's you know we've never sort of tried to, to to go down that road so what do we need people to understand
1: i think it's it's an element of realism um you, you know you're not going to have a business that's bef- you know providing you with a, a good level of income to be able to you know financially support you and your family without the need to do something for it yeah and and yes doing that you do the work once but there are going to be bits along the way and <laughs> while you're a tenant in a buy to let yes life's going to be good and life's going to be you know as, as straightforward as possible but That tenant leaves and they've been in there for six, seven years. You're probably gonna need to have that house renovated, you're gonna need to get it into good condition again to rent it out. Don't complain because it's given you income for the past seven years. You can't then have a whinge and a moan. Oh, I've got to do a bit of work now because you wouldn't have had that income over the past seven years if you didn't if you're not having to do that bit of work there and then. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's a
0: really good way of looking at it. It's like um and you're right that is sort of lifting the lid on the reality isn't it it, it can it comes in fits and starts sometimes mm-hmm. it's a bit like student hmos isn't it you have that that flurry of activity sort of november to february where you're like oh my god i've got to get it let for next year and then it's letting you like oh okay i can forget I about it to, for a yet. few months until i start the whole process again you know so and for that period of time yeah it's 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 pretty passive but yeah. you know it, it comes in phases doesn't it
2: yeah, you just, you, uh, the, the, the emails that come in and say, I've got six students that have signed up for next academic year. You're like, results. Yes, brilliant. Yes. But I, yeah, you're right. I think uh, Nick and I have experienced recently buy to lets that we bought like 13, 14 years ago are now needing full refurbs again. And we're at the stage where we're like, do we really want to refurb that little buy to let when we can put that capital into something bigger and sexier? And yeah. so you are constantly evolving. Um, but I think that decision making the business decision making um, evolves and changes as as you go as well, and whatever challenges you're facing right now, maybe at the very very beginning, take absolute comfort in the fact that no matter how experienced and how successful you are, you're going to have challenges too. <laughs> the yeah. challenges are just going to be bigger, and you just have to get more equipped at solving bigger challenges and bigger problems. Um, and when I first heard that, I was, like, oh God, that sounds tiring. All this constantly solving problems. But you know, as an entrepreneur, as an investor, that's exactly what you do. You are yes. just solving, solving little challenges um, all the time. If you find yourself being sucked into a, a different direction than you really want to be at uh, going down, that's when you can start thinking, right? Who can I leverage to take this from me? You know, yeah. What, 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 what can I do to solve? being sucked in the opposite direction to what i want to go and having someone externally just getting a fresh pair of eyes to look in and say look i've noticed xyz yeah. is so powerful yeah so powerful um, and in fact it came from a really unusual place for us recently it was our accountant <laughs> I had a video <laughs> call with her and she was like do you know what i've noticed about you and just said something i was like oh my god yes so I think having someone that you know or trust uh, that knows your business or knows this industry well Mm. enough that can see how you're operating and just give you a little tweak here and there and say, actually, you're probably getting a bit frazzled because you're spending too much time on this. When actually you could leverage someone else to take some of the load on that and focus your energy on over here just keeps you like it's like. Uh, you're walking, you're, you're driving along your path and you just constantly veer off and it's someone just constantly just nudging you back on track, back on track, back on track. Um, yeah. it, that's really, so the, the community is good, but having an external pair of eyes, just yeah. having a little look um, and, and nudging you back on, on track is really, really going to help you stay.
1: I'll, ultimately, arm yourself with knowledge so you know what you're getting yourself into as well. Yeah. If you yeah. dive in blind you're probably going to be surprised by the workload or the things that are going to come up and the things that you need to do. Whereas if you've you've thought through your, your venture, you know what you're getting yourself into, you've spoken to other people within that business and got their feedback, then you, you're going to have no complaints with the workload that's going to be coming because you know fully, yeah. fully well what, what's going to be involved. I think I guess, this, go on, Caleb.
2: No, I was going to say that I think this leads beautifully into an episode, Mark, that we need to add in on is property education actually worth it? Because yes. I, I've, I, uh, well, if I had a quid for every time I, I saw someone post that question on a forum or a Facebook yeah. group,
0: I'm writing that one down. Yeah, yeah,
2: because you have, you have people that argue. Well, you don't, you don't need to pay thousands of pounds for courses because you could get it on YouTube and read the books and just go to networking events and that will sort you out. And I, I feel so sad for the people who follow that advice. Because yeah. boy, oh boy, are they going to struggle and make expensive yeah. mistakes, as I did for 10 years, right? So mm. um, I think that's one for another time, right? Because yeah, we'll, we'll treat that as
0: a teaser, a teaser yeah. for another episode, I think, because that's definitely an episode
1: all keep, in keep itself. Keep listening for that one. We don't know when it's coming. <laughs>
0: yeah, but, um, yeah. but yeah, just to sort of cap it off, I guess also, and, and partly I'm self-reflecting here a little bit, I guess, as well, is some of it, down to how quickly you want to scale because you know actually James you're right like if you if you go through the process you buy yourself a little baby bar to let you get that rented you know that that can be quite a passive experience you watch I guess we've in the whatever it is six years we've been doing this we've never stopped and therefore I've never really sat back to watch the income that I know is there I've never really watched that coming in because we've always been all in on the next deal and investing in building so again it it can it depends because it depends what you're trying to create doesn't it and how quickly you want to do that that will impact on how passive it feels because right now it doesn't feel very passive but it could do in the future
1: (laughs) growing phase is never going to be passive because you have to do the work in order for for the portfolio to grow yeah absolutely cool well, I think we've
0: debunked that pretty well. I think it's quite a concise one, that one. But I think, in a way, it's um, it, it, it's sort of an easy one because it is just sort of challenging the definition and the reality behind it, isn't it? Really, it's like you know that is the recurring income from property is why we're all here. It's why we're doing what we're doing. But ultimately, it's just understanding the reality of what what's involved in that and and being clear on on your goals and the, and and what what you got into this process for in the mm-hmm. first place.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I look, I think the main reason someone gets into it cause they don't want to work anymore. <laughs> so if yeah. that's their driver, <laughs> yeah. then they're just thinking, okay, well, if this means that I don't need to work anymore, I'm, I'm, I'm all in for that. But yeah. then they realize, shit, I've got to actually, I'm going to have to work for work myself. <laughs> <together>. <laughs> There's so much work involved. <laughs>
0: yeah, Yeah. That's a good point okay brilliant
1: it's about about, you know the the flexibility of working for yourself versus working for a boss and and when people say i don't want to work it's it's normally because it's i don't want to work for someone else that can control me and tell me exactly when i need to do things yeah absolutely and and they're quite happy happy to work for themselves because they're kind of you're you're in control you set the hours but also you're the one that takes all the profit as opposed to working hard for somebody else I remember
0: uh, Michelle saying that way back in one of our first episodes. It was a, it was a sort of mindset exercise where you change. If you're thinking, uh, you know, you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about, um, you know, I've got to do X, Y, and Z. You think about what I get to do. You know, it's yeah. it's a different mindset of, yeah, okay, I've got work to do. But equally, I get to pick up my kids from school. I get to work on my own terms. I get to work from home, whatever whatever it might be. So, yeah, I guess it comes back to what you said, James, about, that, you know, at the end of the day, don't knock it because, you know, the work that, that you're putting into it is is creating lifestyle change at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for that, guys. Really appreciate your time and and, and input into that. I think that's thoroughly yeah. debunked the myth of passive income. Job done. Yeah.
2: Um, on to the next one (laughs) on to the next
0: one absolutely yeah good okay well great to see you and um, I will catch up with you guys soon you too see you soon everyone see you guys take care (laughs) So I hope the takeaways from this message came across loud and clear. Reframing passive income as recurring income would seem to represent a more realistic description of what's involved. The concept of passive income should not fool anybody into thinking that growing a successful property portfolio is going to be easy. And clarity over your goals will help you to start the way you mean to go on. For some more real-life shares and insights into what it takes to succeed in property, why not head on over to the PWS community on Facebook? I like to think that we are a pretty down-to-earth and supportive bunch, and there's a huge amount of knowledge within the group. We'd love to see you over there. Don't forget, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast fix. Thanks again for listening, and I will catch you on the next episode.